Good evening, Woodland Church family. I'm so happy to see everybody here tonight um, in our service here on a Wednesday evening. Uh, a couple weeks ago, if you remember, I spoke on a model of praying using the ACTS formula, A-C-T-S, if you remember that. And so I hope that's helped you in your prayer uh, because it's very important that we have daily prayer time with the Lord because we as believers in Christ, that's how we communicate with God. And so it was in our prayer time that we express four things that I talked about that we see in the model of prayer for acts. First, we show adoration to God as we meditate on his character, praising him for who he is and what he's done. We then confess our sins to him. And when we do this, we know that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We then give thanks to God for his many blessings that he's given to us, including his love, our salvation, his protection, and his provision. And then finally, we pray for ours and others' needs, and that's supplication, the S. So those are the four to refresh from a couple weeks ago. And in supplication, we can pray for mercy. We can pray for God's leading. We can pray for his wisdom and so much more. And Paul actually encourages us to make supplication for all the saints in Ephesians 6.18. So that means that we should be praying diligently for all the brothers and sisters that we have in Christ. And so tonight, I would like to focus on fasting. And the fasting that pleases God and how we as passionate followers of Christ should view fasting. When we read scripture, we do see a common thread that connects prayer with fasting. And many times we see individuals who have had some type of need or who are grieving a loss or in repentance and they pray and they fast. And we also in the Bible see groups of people that are facing some type of trial or some type of decision that they need to make. And so they go to the Lord in prayer and fasting as well. And so we can see that all throughout God's word that fasting is presented as something that is good, it's beneficial, and it's profitable for us as followers of Christ. I read about a small child who whistled very loudly in church during the sermon. And everyone, including the pastor, heard this child whistling. And everybody stopped to look and see who was whistling. While the child's mother, who obviously was embarrassed about what her son did, after the service said to her son, Son, why did you whistle so loudly during the sermon like that? And the young boy said without missing a beat, well, I fasted and I prayed so that I can learn to whistle and God answered my prayer during the service. <laughs> and so he was so happy about that. And I think that we all need to believe in prayer and fasting as much as this young boy did because God does answer our prayers when we humbly seek him and ask according to his will and not our own. We may not always like the answer, but we can be assured that he hears us and he wants the best for us. Every religion in the world has some type of teaching on fasting, but the difference between Christian fasting and the other religion fasting is that Christian fasting is not a ritual. It's us seeking God and seeking divine intervention in our life. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of the greatest sermons ever preached, Acts 2 is another really good one with Peter, but Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives a description of the character and conduct of his followers. 
In it, we see how to live life that is dedicated to and pleasing to God, free from hypocrisy, full of love and grace, full of wisdom and discernment. And in it, Jesus talks about giving, prayer, and fasting, because these were the three acts of righteousness that the Pharisees engaged in, and they were not engaged in it righteously, but they were hypocritical about it. And so Jesus was teaching how to do these three things from the heart. So let's go to the Lord uh, in his word, and we're going to go, it's a little bit of a lengthier text, but it's Matthew 6, 5 through 18. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogue where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need before you ask them before you ask him. So pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one who will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. So those are some powerful words from our Savior talking about praying and fasting. And so in this section, Jesus continues to teach about the righteousness of the kingdom and it's in respect to man's relation to God, especially in those three acts of righteousness. And so in verses 5 to 15 in chapter 6, we see that Jesus is giving an example or a pattern of prayer. And I briefly spoke about the Lord's Prayer in the, when I spoke about the Acts model of praying and how Jesus gave that to his disciples as kind of a pattern, uh, a way to pray to the Father. And then we see in verses 16 and 18, Jesus starts talking about fasting. Specifically, fasting that is seen by men and fasting that is seen by God. And so in verses 16 and 18, Jesus teaches, teaches the proper way to fast. And it's interesting to see that when he starts off, he says, and when you fast. He doesn't just say, you know, if you have time for fasting or if you feel like it, whenever you get around to it, you can fast. 
You know, he did this as, as well with giving and praying. He's assuming that his followers are going to give and they're going to pray and they're going to fast. And so that's why he says, when you fast. Jesus contrasts the two different types of fasting that he saw. The first was the fasting that was seen by men that was done by the Pharisees, which was a hypocritical fasting for show, which he described as looking miserable and disheveled. So people will admire them for their fasting. You know, it's kind of like us now, if we're fasting and somebody comes up to us and says, hey, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing really well. I'm fasting, you know. I haven't eaten in a couple of days now. And it's just such a wonderful, joyful thing that I'm doing for the Lord. And just the joy of the Lord is within me. I mean, people don't want to see that. We have to continue to have the joy of the Lord in our hearts and be joyful. You know, those are the people that are trying to tell people that they're fasting and they're trying to make themselves to look more religious than they are. They're what we would call show-offs, you know. This is how the Pharisees fasted. If you remember, the Pharisees says, well, we fast two times a day and we do this and we do that. And they were just, they enjoyed telling people how they prayed and what great prayers they were and what great they did at fasting and how awesome they were. So they were a lot of show-offs. And so Jesus is hitting them where it, hit, where it, where it hurts. You know, this is how they fasted. And they wanted everybody to know that they were fasting. They wanted the praises of the men at the time and not the praises of God. And so the second type Jesus spoke of were those who fasted for God to see. They fasted. They had no outward appearance of fasting. They combed their hair. They brushed out their beard to make it look pretty. And they went on their normal day as usual. And by doing this, Jesus promised that God will see your fasting and he will reward you openly. And so as with the ACTS model of prayer, I want to give you another acronym. And I heard somebody say this, a way to remember fasting is just remembering fast. F-A-S-T. And so the first one is F, focus on God. In all that we do, our focus should be on God, and it's no different with fasting. And as we see, Jesus said in Matthew 6, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private because you're focusing on God. And so he knows what you're doing. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. And so Jesus says that this is a God-focused fasting that pleases him. And we will be rewarded for this type of fasting. David also made a decision to put God first in his life. He chose to focus on God even in the times of trials. He wrote in Psalm 1-8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. So we live in a fast-paced world. And it's so easy for us to get dis distracted and it's so easy for us to lose sight on the true purpose and meaning of our life. And that's the worship and the love of God. And so we should continually focus on God and live a God-focused life. And when we fast, we're taking steps to get rid of those distractions that we have in our life. 
Because as I said, we live a very busy life. Everything is so fast-paced. We have food right in front of us all the time, three times a day usually. And so we need to focus on our relationship with Christ and put him first. I remember my mom always just told me, you know, finish all your food that's on the table. And I even tell my kids that all the time. And we, like I said, we have three meals a day. We can go and stop at McDonald's at those golden arches and we can just grab some food right there. But what if we treated our prayer time and our Bible time like that? What if we had that Christ-centered focus on everything that we did? And when we're thinking about eating, we go to the Word. Or when we're thinking about eating, we go to God in prayer. And when we focus on Christ, He completely occupies the forefront of our mind. Paul wrote a lot about keeping our focus on Christ. He wrote several times about running the race. In 1 Corinthians, he compares the disciplined effort necessary for spiritual growth for an Olympic athlete in his effort to win the prize that awaits only the winner of the race. And so one of the things that professional athletes do is that they put their focus on the end game or they put their focus on the prize as they're running. That way, when they start fatiguing, they don't lose that focus of what the end goal for their life is. And so that's how we should always focus on Christ and have Christ at the center of everything that we do. Because when we fast, we're not doing it for others. We're fasting for a purpose, for a reason. And so our focus should be on God at all times. Elmer Towns, who is a great theologian, uh, he wrote about focusing on God while fasting in one of his books. And he said, The key to a true spirit of worship is worshiping God in spirit and truth. Worship reflects a heart that is fully focused on the greatness and goodness of God. Worship moves you out of yourself to get closer to God, perhaps closer than ever before. Focus on him and his glory. Your worship has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with you with God. Amen. I don't know about you, but tonight I want to be closer than ever to God than I've ever been. Each day I want to get closer and closer. And so I want to continue to focus my gaze upon Jesus. And so the second is A, which is abstain from food. That's a fun one, right? We're abstaining from food usually during a fast because back in the first century and when Jesus around They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have social media. They didn't have anything like that. So they would always abstain from some type of food. And so I know for sometimes for health reasons now, you know, some people can't fast or abstain from food and that's okay. The key is, is that we're taking something that is consuming our life and we're shifting it off of that and we're putting the focus on God and we're abstaining from whatever's keeping us apart from God. One good definition of Christian fasting that I read is from Donald Whitney, and he wrote a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And he defines fasting as a believer's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. That's a nice, short, sweet definition of Christian fasting. So some people might take a social media break, Some people might take a break from watching TV. Whatever it is, you're taking away and you're abstaining from something 
that is taking the honor and glory away from the Lord. And something that we might put sometimes in the place of our Bible time or our prayer time or our family time. You know, we're, we're taking that away and, and we're, we're doing better things with our time than we would be on surfing the net or watching TV. And I remember when I was a kid, you know, they always used to say, oh, what are you giving up for Lent? You know, and talking about giving up this and giving up that. And I don't think it's about giving up anything. The way I look at it is that we're giving it all to God. So we're not giving up anything. John 6, 27, it says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. So Jesus makes a contrast between material things and spiritual things. And it's true that people are more attracted to the material things than the spiritual things. If you put out a sign that says free money or free food or free anything, you'll get a bigger crowd than if you put a sign out that says free spiritual fulfillment and eternal life here. So a lot of times we see that. So the people were so enthralled with the food that Jesus miraculously provided for them that they were missing the fact that the promised Messiah had come and he was right there with them. Jesus is the bread of life. And we abstain from food during our fast because we need to shift our focus onto the bread of life because Jesus is the only one that can truly satisfy all of our needs. And so the third thing is substitute. We can substitute the time that we would be normally eating or spending time with other things with a time of prayer and reading God's word. We want God more than we want food, more than we want anything else. In Psalm 42, 1 and 2, it says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. That's such a beautiful sentence right there. Just as the deer longs for streams of water, we long that way for God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? The psalmist here is not thirsty for water, but for God. And so drinking and thirst are common pictures of man's spiritual need, and Jesus can supply those needs. In John 7, 37 and 38, it says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, as the scriptures said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I once heard somebody say, fasting is feasting. Fasting really is feasting. It's feasting on the grace and the love and the mercy and the provision of the word of God. It's our food. It's our daily bread. And so the fourth thing, T, is taste. And everybody knows Psalm 34, 8. It says, taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. The whole point of fasting 
is acknowledging that the Lord is better than anything and everything that is in our life because it's him who gave it all to us. David in his psalm is urging God's people to discover the goodness of the Lord by personally experiencing him and his goodness for themselves. That's why he says, taste and see. He's not saying, come and try it out. He's saying, experience God's love and God's goodness for yourself. When we fast, we're saying, God, I want you more than I want this steak. I want you more than anything else that I could ever eat or anything else that I could ever want. I want you, Lord. I want a real relationship with you. And so Peter also talks about the Lord's goodness in 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3, when he wrote, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if needed, you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so Peter is saying that if we have received from God and that we have tasted, we have personally experienced that the Lord is gracious, then we have great reason and responsibility to receive his word in an enthusiastic way, just like a baby receives their milk. If you remember having a baby and when you're given that bottle, that baby gets all excited for that milk, right? And so that's how we should be for the word of God and for God himself and for praying. We should be like those newborn babies that can't wait to get that milk. And so we as passionate followers of Christ will have a natural desire for spiritual things just like that newborn baby would. And so as we fast, we should pursue the spiritual milk that is God's word. Fasting is saying no to one pleasure for the sake of a higher pleasure saying, I will taste no food today so that my soul might taste and see that the Lord is good. And one thing that fasting is not, is fasting is not, oh, I forgot to eat today, so I think I'm fasting. <laughs> it's not that. Fasting is intentional. Fasting is something that we do in order for us to get into the word and in order for us to get closer to God. So it's a real intentional thing. And so there's several types of fasting. You have the regular fast, which is not eating solid food, just drinking water. You have a partial fast, where you abstain from certain foods for a short time, kind of like the Daniel fast. And then you have the absolute fast, is when you have no food or, or water for a certain amount of time. And so we've seen all three of those in the Word of God. But in all these types of fasting, we're seeking God and his will. We're not trying to change God's mind, but changing ourselves and looking to the Lord for our comfort and our strength. And so fasting should be done for a purpose and it should be intentional. Ezra 8.3 says it's to strengthen prayer. In Judges and Acts, it's to seek God's guidance. We're also doing it to express grief to seek divine deliverance and protection, to express repentance and a return to God. We're doing it to humble ourselves before God. And we're doing it to express concern for the word of God. We're doing it to overcome temptation and dedicate ourselves fully to God. 
And we're doing it to express love and devotion to God. And so those are some of the reasons in the Word of God that we see people fasting and groups of people fasting. And so I want to go through two main ways to fast. And so the first one is privately or individually. This is what Jesus spoke of when he talked about it in Matthew 6, when he said, when you fast, don't make it look obvious. He said, don't do it like the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except for your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. So Jesus is talking about in us individually fasting. And we do know that Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And Moses had a supernatural fast as well. And David fasted and Paul fasted. And well, you see where I'm going from this. If fasting is good enough for them, then it's good enough for us, right? And we also read that Daniel fasted a private fast in Daniel 10 when we read, When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. And so Daniel was talking about a time when he had a vision and that he was mourning for three weeks and he wanted to get close to the Lord. And so he fasted. The second one is corporately, which is done by a church fast or a group. Maybe if you're in a small group and you guys are praying about something or at church with the body of Christ, we fast together. And so we usually, as a church family, fast before Easter. And then we also did the Daniel fast together. And so we'll be talking about this in the weeks coming, but pastor is also going to be asking us to join him in October for a 21-day fast. And so details will be coming out about that as well. So this is a timely message for us to get ready to do a fast with pastor. And so corporate fasts or church fasts are usually done for a specific purpose or goal, and it lasts for a set period of time. And so we do see throughout the Word of God that there are instances of individuals getting together and fasting and praying. Um, one in particular is found in Acts 13. When we see the church at Antioch, they came together and they fasted and prayed before they sent Barnabas and Saul on their missionary journey. In Acts 13, 2 and 3, it says, When they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So here we see the early church fasting and praying for a decision fasting and praying after hearing from the Lord. And we also read in Acts 14, 21 and 23, what fasting was done, or that fasting was done in every church together. And it was done in the appointment of their elders as well. 
So Acts 14, 21 and 23 says, After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Poseidon, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. And with prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And so here we see again the early church followers strengthening other believers, praying with other believers, fasting with other believers. They knew that they were going to suffer hardships. And they knew that the only way that they could get through this was keeping their focus on God keeping their focus on the task at head, and that was to spread the good news of Jesus. And so we see that for many different decisions that these early church followers, um, they always prayed and fasted together. And so in Matthew 9, 14 and 15, I think I forgot to put this on the uh, notes, but we read that one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and they asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered them, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Jesus was saying, Since I am here with them, they don't need to mourn and fast. However, when the bridegroom is taken away, when Jesus ascends to the Father, and before he comes a second time, there's going to be fasting for his disciples. And so the context of fasting here is to convey our deep longing for his presence. There will always be this ache in our heart for God's people, for the not yet kingdom, and his presence and his power to manifest. And so fasting here is a powerful statement that says to Jesus, I want you more than my food. I want you more than my entertainment. I want you, Jesus, more than my technology. You are more important to me than all of these things. I want to pursue you with all of my heart. I long for your presence, Jesus, because you are my treasure. And so Jesus said that his disciples will not always have his physical presence of him. And then they will fast and pray. Well, my friends, now is the time that Jesus is not physically present here with us. He's in our hearts. And so now is the time to fast and pray and seek God in everything that we do. And so a couple of things that I wrote down for our growth work to kind of help us in fasting is number one, start small. Sometimes if you just start with maybe one meal a week and say, okay, I'm going to give this meal to the Lord. And then after that, we can try two meals a week and then keep working your way up. And then even when we start fasting as a church, you can 
help each other. You can encourage one another just like the early church followers did. A lot of times with our small groups, we're able to encourage each other and do fast that way. And so a great way is to start with our small groups and with our church family. And so number two is plan what you're going to do instead of eating. Don't just fast and then say, okay, well, what am I going to do next? Have a plan. It's always good to have a plan to do stuff. Don't just stop eating. Plan out what you're going to do. Write it down. Say, okay, in the morning, if I'm going to take my fast in the morning, I'm going to pray or I'm going to read a couple chapters of God's word or I'm going to go through a couple, uh, maybe go through Mark since we're going through Mark again and just read and study. You know, what spiritual discipline are you going to do to seek God? Is it going to be longer prayer time or more prayer time? You know, what are you going to do when you get hungry? Are you going to get hungry for God's word? Are you going to get hungry to be in his presence and just seek him and keep your focus on him? So we always need a plan when we do things. And this is no different. And the third thing is try different kinds of fasting. There's a lot of different ways that you can fast. And if you have any questions about fasting, you can um, contact us here and we can talk to you about it and lead you through it. But find out what works best for you. Because as I said, everybody has different health issues and health, um, you know, eating stuff that can eat, they can eat and can't eat. And so we have to find out what works best for us and our health. Because the main thing is, is to keep our focus on God, but also be healthy doing it. Okay? And so that's the main thing, is to keep the focus of your fast on God. Keep him at the center of your life in all that we do. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and that we've had studying your word together. Help us to remember that you have given us more than we could ever ask for and even imagine. Help us to continually turn our eyes and focus on you in our worship and our adoration. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done to bless us with our family and our friends and all those who you surround us with, Lord. I thank you for all of the people at our church here, Lord. Lord, we pray that we continue to be faithful in our fasting and when we're participating in any spiritual discipline, I pray that we'll be faithful to you, Lord, and that we will keep our eyes focused and centered on you. Lord, I pray that we each just taste and see that you are better than even the most basic things in our lives that we need. You're better than anything that this world has to offer. And we want and we need you more than anything else that we need in this world, Lord. So I pray that you teach us to fast and pray. And I pray that you help us draw closer to you as we do. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us online. And thanks to everybody for joining us here. And we hope to see you on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Have a great night.